Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, here with Amanda, and today we are joined by Nicole. Nicole runs the website Stories of Color, which you can find at storiesofcolor.com, and she is a Charlotte Mason mom, and she is currently world traveling with her kids. Nicole, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little more about your adventures? Hello. Yes, thank you so much for having me. First and foremost, I'm really excited. I will take any chance to talk about books and these things that we love and we hold so dear. I have been homeschooling from the beginning, as they say. I have three kiddos. My oldest will be a sophomore, which does yeah. not feel real. Um, my daughter, really, she's almost 16. Then I have um, my son, Tolan. He will be 14 next week, and he'll be a freshman in the fall. And then my youngest is 10, almost 11. Beckett, and he will be in fifth grade. Um, and yeah, we've pretty much been Charlotte Masoners from the beginning as well, maybe since about first grade for my oldest. And we have never looked yeah. back. You are currently in the dark because it's night and we are in the day. So yes. where are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, my family and I are in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, we've been here for about three and a half weeks already, which feels like we've been here for already like yeah. three months. That's the way travel needs to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we sold our house, our what we thought was going to be our forever home about, wow. I don't know, five months ago or so. And we had this plan in mind and God planted it and we couldn't shake it. And we said, let's do it. And we downsized and we took full advantage of opportunity to travel and be gone for the summers. So we are here. This is our first big trip. And so it is nighttime here because it's seven o'clock at night on the other side of the world yeah. right now. And um, we have, we're having power outages, um, which is pretty common in South Africa. So the power goes out in the middle, then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got what we got. That sounds hard, but yeah. rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's been interesting because. Of course, we've had lots of good conversations about being thankful for living in a country where our power doesn't just shut mm -hmm. off. And it's been interesting talking to South Africans who are like, oh, wait, that doesn't happen in America. <laughs> this is not a common occurrence. And we're like, no, not unless, you know, there's right. a storm or something. And um, it's pretty interesting to hear their perspective. I mean, they're annoyed by it, too. <laughs> so um, love it. And um, it's hard for them to imagine living somewhere where that doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Is South Africa your first stop on your travels or have you been somewhere else? Yeah, this was, this summer, we've taken the kids overseas before we've gone to parts of Europe, but this was the first big trip with a long stay in one place. Um, and we really wanted to try to like be in a place where we could make it feel like we yeah. lived there. Like we wanted to experience the culture and people yeah. and we wanted to have the time to really explore and get to know um, the area. And so we've connected with a church here and our kids have been going to youth group and um, just, you know, those kinds of things where you can feel like you're really getting to know yeah. a place. And so next summer we have plans for other countries, but for this summer, we're just going to stick Very here. Cool. Yeah. If people are curious and want to follow yeah. along with your travels, your Instagram pictures have been lovely. And I loved the the oh, tour yeah. of the Victorian house yeah, my, that you're staying yeah. in. Yeah, I, I'm trying to add a share a little bit here and there. So yeah, it's been really, it's really fun. I'm not the most consistent Instagram yeah. but I'm trying to keep people, people really want to see. And I think it's fun. It's fun and inspiring, hopefully to see and 
a lot of people have already messaged me saying, we really want to do this too. How did you get started? How are you traveling? So I've had some good conversations with other homeschool families. And I think that's, you know, that's the stuff. Yeah. I love it. So is your plan to come back to the States for the fall? Yeah, we'll be back in August and just like back to normal life and um, back to school and all the things. We're doing some schooling here, actually. But then hopefully some other little trips throughout the year that we already have planned. And then we'll do another bigger, longer summer chunk next summer. That's the great thing about CM. It seems to, Charlotte Mason style, seems to go really well with travels and just Yes, absolutely. It's so easy. Yeah, it just naturally is a part of how we already think about the world. Mm -hmm. So it's putting some of it into practice, but they already have that natural curiosity and they have all of these things that they're already pulling from, from things that they know already about history and people. And it's really cool to get to see it kind of come full circle for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Amanda was asking last night, she's like, I read that she loves animals. How do you love animals and travel? That seems very challenging. Yeah. <laughs> We're oh, getting ready to go out of town for a week and I yeah. the animal stuff's just like blowing my mind. No, so it's really sad. Actually, I was just messaging a friend she was asking how we were doing, how we we're feeling about being here. And I said, actually, I said, I feel like we're doing okay. We've had little moments of homesickness. I said, honestly, the thing I miss most are my pets and the grocery store. <laughs> um, grocery stores here are really throwing me. They're all very different and it's hard to get one thing you need at once, everything you need at one store. So I feel like I'm going to lots of places. But um, besides that, I miss my pets a lot. And we have a really great friend who is staying in our home and pet sitting for us. So it's the only thing that's giving yeah. me comfort. I know they're being well yeah. loved. Um, but I definitely miss my my dogs and my cat. Yeah, yeah for How sure. How many do you have? Uh, we have two dogs and one cat. And we had another cat, but we had to recently, unfortunately, rehome her um, when we moved from my son's allergies. But um she went to a great, great family member. So, uh, but you know, yeah, I would have them all if my husband yeah. would let me, but it's just not. <laughs> the cards. He's like, he jokes. He's like, I never thought I would be Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. I can't believe it. So pets. Many pets. No, it's really not. It's That's really funny. Not. That's right. I'm just going to say that. It's not, it's not that many. I told Eric, I told no. Eric the other day that if I had never gotten married, I would definitely be one of those crazy cat women because I don't know that I could 100%. ever say no to another cute kitten. And he's uh-huh. like, so I saved you. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's all relative. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying it would be terrible to be a crazy old cat lady. No, I can joke all the time. They know. They're like, Mom, if you never married Dad, you would be that person. I, I yeah. don't deny it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. So we always try to ask our guests to share three of their favorite books with us just to get to know them. Oh, so, yes. That's so either they could be three of your favorite books yeah. or three books that were influential. Sometimes those aren't the books that we like as much, but we know okay. that they were powerful. Yeah. It's so That's so hard. It is. Um, okay. Let me think. One that comes to my mind. I think it's still, I think no matter what, it'll probably always hold a place in my top 10 is Until um, We Have Faces mm-hmm. um, by C.S. Lewis. And that book was gifted to me from one of my best friends. Um, and I hadn't read it. I don't know why. It was just one that mm-hmm. I had never read. And I read it in 2020. 
And that in the in light of that year and the difficulty of that year for all of us, um, reading that book was like this kind of anchor to my mm-hmm. soul. And it's just, I love it. So I think about that book a lot. And I think that one will probably always be yeah. up there. Most influential or gosh, that's so hard to, I'm trying you to. You can always yes. change your mind later. So it's <laughs> yeah, not that's a known forever um, thing. I know. Yes. Okay. Um, a book that I recently, these are all kind mm-hmm. of more recent, but a book that I recently read that really influenced me in such a positive way and that I shared with so many friends was Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm-hmm. Have I, I have read not. Sweetgrass? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I've seen it, it recommended, is. but I haven't read any reviews. Yeah. It is so joyous. It's basically, it's written by a woman who is a, um, she's a, Indigenous woman. Um, she is also a professor of. She's a botanist. Is that right? Botany professor of botany. Um, it's essentially like adult nature lore, and oh. it is so beautiful. It's like all of this real science with nature, and I don't know. It just blew my yeah. mind. I've never read a book like it, and um, I, I recommended to a lot of friends and. Uh, a lot of Charlotte Masoners. And even if like spiritually, maybe it's not exactly in line with what a lot of us would necessarily right. believe. It's still, um, you know, it points to a career. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. So that book, I would say more recently, definitely influenced me a lot. And so is that, since she's indigenous, is it more mm-hmm. North American? Yeah. So her, Focus. she's, um, yeah, it's North American. It's not Canadian. She's not Canadian. Um, yes, can- Canada is North America. I mean, United States. <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. Um, in North America, she, in the United States, she's in, I can't remember what state she lives in, but yeah, the book takes place in the United States. Okay. Um, and she's in, she's, uh, she lives in the States and she, I can't even remember what school she teaches at. I'm not remembering any yeah. of those details, but, um, yeah. And she's a mother too, and she has daughters. And so she even weaves in these beautiful mm-hmm. stories of mothering and how so much of mothering mirrors what we see in nature yeah. and uh-huh. what we see in creation. And it's just really, really beautiful. So yeah, I love that one. And one more, let's like an easy one. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I just finished a book I just finished a book by Colson Whitehead um, called The Nickel Boys. And I'll just, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily one of my favorites, but um, I just think it's important. And I think his work is really important. He um, wrote The Underground Railroad, Mm -hmm. um, which was just turned into a film or television series, I think. But The Nickel Boys won the Pulitzer in 2020, I believe. and it's just a really important story. And it's about two boys who, two black boys who found themselves at a, essentially like a reform mm-hmm. school for boys. And it's based on true story um, that a school that actually existed in the United States where, you know, there was a lot of abuse mm-hmm. that took place. And, and it's not like an uplifting book by any means. Yeah. I mean, that's not true. It has uplifting, it has uplifting an uplifting message, but, you know, it's also hard truth. And um, it's really beautiful. And I just think it's one of those kinds of pieces of literature that I wish more people would read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always fun to sit down and read those books, yeah. but I think they're really valuable and they're worth our time. Um, 
and they're, they create really great conversation. I was wondering, does the book end with hope? It does actually. Well, the epilogue does. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The last chapter is really, I was telling my husband, I said, I actually kind of don't want to finish this book because I know where it's mm-hmm. going and I can feel the pain. I can feel the heartache that's building and I don't actually want to get yeah. to the end. But um, yeah, so with the epilogue, there is definitely hope. Um, there's Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons are actually woven throughout mm-hmm. the book. And that is kind of this um, echoing hope right. throughout the story of the uh, opportunity to rise above mm-hmm. hate and to actually choose love and actually love our enemies in this really supernatural way because these are boys who are not in, in any position yeah. to be loving the people that are right. abusing them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they talk about, like, this feels like an impossible thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, it is an impossible yeah. thing um, on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of part of the message. So it's really, it's really powerful. Yeah. That sounds really powerful. Have you read the picture book, Sweetgrass? I know it. Yeah. I Do I have that one? Yeah. I have it on this, on Stories of Color site, but I do yeah. know it. Yeah. People love that book. I, I read it yeah. last week and I thought of it when you mentioned the other yeah. Sweetgrass book. That Yeah. It's really great. Well, she talks so much in the Breeding Sweetgrass about the significance mm-hmm. of Sweetgrass itself in certain tribes. And I didn't know, I mean, not really, I didn't really know the cultural significance. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so beautiful when you really understand why this is so important mm-hmm. and why it's meant to be protected. And um, yeah, it's really, it really opens up your eyes to so many other things when you are, you know, seeing through the eyes of someone who grew up understanding the tradition and the importance of that. Thing. Yeah, definitely. So your yeah. your database, Stories of Color, what need were you looking mm-hmm. to fill in the creation of your database? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think for just years, I had friends um, reach out to me just randomly and say, Nicole, do you know of a book from this time mm-hmm. period about this people group? And I would mm-hmm. say, sure, maybe you could try this book and I would maybe recommend something or... Or, or I wouldn't know a yeah. book. And I would say, I have no idea. And I will have to find one. And I will look with mm-hmm. you. And we will try to find a book, the, you know, um, ancient Korea. I don't know, yeah. you know, some piece of literature. And so part of it came out of a need for myself. Like it was purely yeah. selfish because <laughs> I kept thinking, I wish that there was this database. Mm-hmm. I think I complained to my husband for like a solid five years of like, why is there no, why is there nothing online for like living books of color? Like, where yeah. are those books? And he was like, oh, well, you should do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you would, you would think that you could Google such yeah. things, but right. you Google's really no help. No, it's no. not. It, it really wasn't. And so I think over just com- compiling my own lists over the years and answering and trying to help my friends do the same, um, I thought, man, I really, maybe I should just, try and start a list um, and do it myself. And so I really was meeting a need for myself and for my friends, for my inner circle of friends. And then I just thought, well, I know Charlotte Masoners and just the homeschool community at large, you know, we are so particular about books and good Mm -hmm. books and living books. And we want to get our hands on the right books Mm -hmm. for our children. And no one I think does that quite like Charlotte Masoners. And so I really wanted it to serve that community in a way that would be, you know, easy and straightforward 
and practical. And if I thought if I couldn't use it, then if I, I have to be able to use it or no one's going right. to use it because I'm not a tech savvy person. And so that was kind of where it came from. And one day my husband came to me and said, I think I found the way we can do it. Like he found the software essentially that we could use to create the site. Um, and then we just took off and we did it together. Isn't it great doing it together? That's very similar to Eric and I with the reshelving Alexandria <laughs> yeah, database. Was He yeah. came to me and he's like, hey, Notion made that. some changes recently so we can finally do what you've been wanting uh-huh. to do and you can do yes. it. And I was like, I can do it? Me? <laughs> me, the least tech savvy person in this house? <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, I would pretty much say the same. I mean, he did, Jonathan is my husband. He definitely had to give me some real tutorials. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent some time so that we would understand on the back end how to do yeah. how to do it. Um, I still don't do a lot of the things he does, but um, he's an entrepreneur and he's always had companies. And we've never really worked on a project together. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time we like did a thing yeah. together and. It was really, really fun. And we fought way less than I thought we would have over the thing. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. (laughs) We got along pretty well through the whole process. It's the having a shared Mm -hmm. goal. It really helps. It does. Yeah. It is a really good, healthy distraction at the time from other things. And, you know, we started in 2021. And so I think people were still reeling from 2020. And it oh, was yeah. really good for us. Like it was just a really happy mm-hmm. project for us to work on. And we would do it on our free time together. And it was mm-hmm. it was really good because of that too. Yeah. I feel like I'm still reeling yeah. in 2020. <laughs> yes. That's what I think a lot of us still are. Yeah, exactly. I wanted I wanted yeah. to share something. So I know that people always talk about books and windows or books as windows mm-hmm. and mirrors where you can see into someone else's yeah. life or see your own life reflected back. And mm-hmm. May Lamberton Becker, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite newspaper editors from history, she mm-hmm. wrote uh, the reader's guide of the Saturday review of literature in the newspaper for years. But in 1929, she wrote this book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it called books as windows and she mm-hmm. yeah. she basically is talking about that, but I just want to read the foreword real fast for people because I think it really just speaks yeah. to what you're doing. She says, there was a woman in search of an apartment in my city who found two of which she could take her choice. The rooms in one were large and commanded a view of the other side of a narrow street. Those of the other were small and on the top floor overlooking an uptown park so that from the windows, you could see over treetops and rooftops far across the island to the blue beyond. She chose the small one, saying, the other has more room for the furniture, but this has more room for me. And she added, no room can be really crowded if it has a window with a view. Books may make windows like that. You can look not only into them, but through them, sometimes for a long way. Sometimes they open on a vista of centuries past and sometimes into the haze of the future. Some of them are, quote, magic casements opening on the foam of perilous seas in fairylands forlorn, end quote. And some look straight into your neighbor's dooryard. No life need be crowded if it can look out and get its bearings in time and in space. And in this time of transition and changing concepts, still now, right? (laughs) This time Mm -hmm. in 1929, this Mm -hmm. time now. The only way for most of us to get our bearings is through books. If I have added one more to their number, it is to share with other readers one reader's experience in looking into life through literature. 
And I just really feel that that's what you so you are trying to do with your with your site is keep track of all those different cultures and experiences and help people to look through those windows that for the people they would be windows for and then also for the kids that they would be mirrors to. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's yeah, really absolutely. think it's beautiful. Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, I think, you know, we definitely hear the books as mirrors and windows reference a lot. And I know Amber O'Neill Johnston, she is like, you know, the Charlotte Mason with an Afro. She talks so much about that and she does such a great job talking about that. And make, she's really helped to make that topic, I think, more widespread within the Charlotte Mason mm-hmm. community. Um, and I'm really grateful for her work in doing that. You know, I grew up not really ever seeing anyone reflected in literature or or film or television that looked like mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, I'm I'm biracial. I have a black dad and a white mom, and you know, I can't even think of a single character in anything who was biracial. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we talk about the power of books and the power of stories, like we want our children to grasp onto these ideas of character and truth and wisdom and beauty. Um, And it is a lot easier to do that when there are some of those characters that look something like you, where there's a piece of you that can relate to them in a way that maybe you couldn't in in another um, character. And so when I started homeschooling and thinking through, gosh, well, I want my children's books to be still reflective of our family culture and our family heritage. And I couldn't find those books. Mm And a lot of Charlotte Mason curriculum, you know, tended to be really homogenous. And I was very discouraged. And I spent a lot of time looking for books. And I really wanted us to have reflective, reflective literature. But then at the same time, as you're saying, windows, that is the other beautiful thing about them. Like books literally can transport you as we know, not literally, they can transport you as we know, and they can send us to another place. And they can let us peek inside of other people's lives and cultures and all these other beautiful things. And I think that, you know, your, your question you asked earlier, what was kind of my, my goal in starting Stories of Color? I really wanted to lower the bar <laughs> for how uh-huh. difficult it can be to find those books. Like I wanted people to have access to them much more easily. They were like, I really want to find this thing and I don't want to do all this work um, because Sometimes that slows us down. Maybe we're maybe we'd be less inclined to read those books if we have to work harder to find them. I wanted to just make that process simpler for people, and I hope that that's part of what it's been doing. But they are really powerful tools, and that will never change. Books and windows and mirrors—that's forever going to be true. And I really I love that. We're certainly going to read fewer of them if they're so difficult to find, right? Have you found that they're getting easier to find at all or are they still super hard to find? I think that's a good question. I think in certain categories there are there's been a real influx influx of books that wouldn't have been easily um was found earlier like say Pacific Islander books or books on like Inuit community as an example where traditionally those books have just been there's much fewer of them and for lots of reasons, but sometimes when a culture is like an oral tradition mm-hmm. culture, um, those stories just are not being written down or they hadn't been historically yeah. written down. And so I see some changes in that. Like there are definitely more publications coming out in certain categories, but then in other categories or in other countries or cultures, though they just 
aren't there. And there mm-hmm. are just these gaps mm-hmm. where I love to like go onto the website and look at like data points and kind of go through which countries are really being well represented and which people groups aren't and how can I help fill in some of those gaps. And sometimes they're just, they don't yeah. exist. Like what, and what countries that, are those or what people yeah. groups are those? Well, I mean, certain, um, you know, indigenous tribes, for example, um, that's another oral tradition, um, mm-hmm. people groups. And there are so many different indigenous mm-hmm. tribes beyond what we only know um, that there just aren't books for certain groups of people. Mm -hmm. They just don't exist. That might be changing, but for some, you know, that's really slim. But there are other, like, there are even some Asian countries where they're just really difficult to find certain books for, like, books about, like, Laos or, you know, even Mm -hmm. Cambodia. You think there'd be more of those, but there really aren't very many. Um, And also then you get into, like, are they quality books? Mm-hmm. Are they, yeah. you know, are they, are, there's a lot of like twaddle books like that or books that I just would not personally give my mm-hmm. children, but are they quality living books? Probably mm-hmm. not. And that's a whole nother area where you feel the gap of, um, is it like a book that someone wrote just to check a box right. or yeah. is that a book that someone wrote with care and intentionality that's quality? That's different. Yeah. Do you find that publishers are still writing books to check boxes? And they're, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming if they're writing books to check boxes, they're written by people who are not of that culture. Yeah. Um, I, th- I saw a statistic the other day and I won't get it completely right. So I wish I had it in front of me, but it said something like, I think something like 80 something percent of the last few years of children's books were still that were published were still um, about white children. So, you know, that's a huge percentage still. So it's still really, that's, there's still a huge disparity within publishing. Um, And I know that is improving and I know that's getting better. Um, I see it every, every month I see people releasing these books that, um, you know, are written. Well, there's the whole own voices Mm -hmm. movement which are all books that are being written, you know, by, um, by a person that's representative of that culture of which they're writing about. And I, I think we're just going to continue to see more and more of that, which is awesome. Again, are they all quality that I would put in front of my kids? Not necessarily. I still would rather those books exist personally, but I wouldn't necessarily put them on Stories of Color site. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily use them on homeschool. But again, I would still rather them I would still rather a child have an opportunity to at least pick them up somewhere and see mm-hmm. a book that's represented. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I saw on your site that you have a section on um, diverse living books, including neurodiverse and differently abled perspectives. And I thought that was really exciting yeah. to find mm-hmm. that there's big gaps in your ability to find those books outside of picture books, like into middle grade yeah. and there are definitely. Yeah, there are fewer of those. Although, again, I think that is definitely an area that's becoming, I think that's an area where more books are being published as well. There's definitely not as many for sure. But like, you know, when you think about even, even the conversation around autism from where it is now, from where we were growing up, you know, there's, we've, we've come a really long way Um, in destigmatizing it and having open conversations about it and having books available for kids. 
So I think those things will continue to improve. I think around areas like ADHD, anxiety, even PTSD, I've been seeing some of those kinds of books written more for children. Um, It's harder to find those in like a quality level piece of literature per se. Um, but I do think that's going to continue to improve. That's my hope anyway. I do think, I think that will continue to get better. Have you read the book? It's not diverse, but just speaking of, um, anxiety being represented, have you read the book give and take? Mm -mm, It is so good. So I'm just going to review it real fast because I did in one of our episodes, I said it was a book I started. So now I have finished it and I absolutely loved it. So the little girl, Um, has gone through a lot of big life changes really fast, including her grandmother passing away from dementia. And as part of watching her grandma Mm -hmm. forget things, she doesn't want to forget anything. And so Mm -hmm. she is keeping mementos from everything. The empty candy wrapper, Mm -hmm. the bottle lid, Uh, the rock, the, mm -hmm. you know, the shell casing, because she's a trap Mm -hmm. shooter and she just has these boxes under her bed. And Mm -hmm. it's this beautiful middle grade fiction that shows wonderful family relationships, positive sibling relationships, and how Mm -hmm. supportive the parents are in getting her into therapy and seeing a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I I had not seen that in any middle grade fiction so far, like a kid going to therapy and the process of what it is and how she struggles with that. And then watching her struggle with telling her family members beyond her parents and then telling her friends and The other thing that I loved that this book did was there's a situation where one of her friends who feels like the less than of the kids in her family, like her one sister excels at everything Mm -hmm. and she really struggles. She's getting ready to cheat at a trap shoot to increase her advantage. Mm -hmm. And the main character finds out and she's like, you can't do this. And she's like, what do you even care? Like, I'm going to do it. And the, the main yeah. character's dad is their trap shoot coach. And she goes to him and she's like, I don't want to tell you this, but mm-hmm. like, I know it puts our whole team at danger and mm-hmm. it puts the wildlife at danger. If she uses the specific type of right. um, shell that she wants to use. And so she tells him and the girl gets sent home. And so this divides their friend group because mm-hmm. some of the girls go with the friend, some of the girls mm-hmm. go with the original girl and right. the book doesn't end with it resolved. Like it shows this is sometimes the consequence of doing the right thing. So there's still this division. There's hope. There's like, she still has hope that someday there will be some reconciliation when her friend like completely cools off, but it doesn't end there. Like it ends in that unknowing that is so real when you stand up and do the right thing. So my, my dad passed away. My daughter who was six at the time did the hoarding for about a year. We couldn't mm. even throw away clean Xboxes. Anything that had been in our house when Grandpa wow. Bob had last visited, she didn't want to let go because it was part of her memories mm. of him. And as she got rid of these things, she would get rid of the memories. And I didn't know what to do about it, but I just trusted the process. And yeah. I was like, if we give her time and give her space, yeah. I know we'll get yeah. to the point of healing. And this is just her grieving. And so I'm really glad that I did that. And mm-hmm. she did get to the place where she could part with that stuff. But I was really Mm -hmm. concerned that this was going to be some lifelong struggle and she would never be able to let things go. But she was the one comforting me when we had the house fire. And she's like, it's okay. Like, I know my whole bedroom's gone. It's okay. It's going to be fine. So just being able to see that journey 
of how we go through our go yeah. through our grief, go through our struggles, and we can come out stronger on the other mm-hmm. side. And I really saw that reflected in this book. Yeah. yeah, that sounds beautiful. Also, what an amazing gift in a book of something that you that your daughter had even gone yes. through that they wrote that they ended up writing similar. Yes. That's amazing. What a gift. Yeah, I think too for middle schoolers. I mean, gosh, middle school is hard enough as it is. Yes. So to have a book that's more honest about the way things can actually go down between mm-hmm. friendships, because this is what will it will inevitably happen at yeah. some point. Giving them an honest picture, a good, healthy mm-hmm. picture of that at such a critical time. That's really, yeah. really good. I yeah. love that. I love that book. Yeah. So the. Um, yeah, I'm going to look. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so <Yeah>. what what <laughs> holes are really standing out to you right now in your database that you are mm-hmm. just actively waiting for someone mm-hmm. to have written a book into or hoping that somebody finds a vintage book that yeah. already exists that fills the hole. Cause if our, if our readers know yeah, of any, they could thing, message you. I mean, well, that's another thing too, is anyone can submit books on, um, to stories right. of color. Um, I know you guys know that, but and yeah, anyone can submit a book through our submission form and we have a fair amount of submissions but it's open. If, if you've read a book and you think this is a really great book and I would really love to share this with other, pe- other people and I wish other families knew about this book, you can do, do we have like a super quick submission form. It takes like one minute um, or you can be fancy and you can do the long submission version, which saves me <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to do. Um, either way. Um, yeah. So I think I would always, I mean, I shouldn't say I would always prefer an older book. I really do love, you know, an older mm-hmm. book. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of gaps, as we know, because there were a lot of voices that were silenced in throughout mm-hmm. history that they people groups were not allowed. They weren't given opportunity to write their yeah. stories. Um, and so there will inevitably be a big gap, say, in like African-American books from, you know, the 1800s and the early 1900s. Those books are not there mm-hmm. and they're not there for a reason. Um, and so I think there's being mindful of that and then also saying, OK, well, what can I look at in terms of like contemporary work that's going to help fill in those gaps from those time periods? There are certain other groups that, I mean, I mentioned indigenous groups. I think even um, Canadian and First Nations books, um, I'm seeing more of those, but I'm still always on the lookout for really quality First, First Nations books. And then you know, even in Europe, I think those books are kind of hard because I generally only... Um, pull books of people of color. So in Europe, you know, there are like pockets and, but those books are really hard to find. So like, say, I don't know, you know, Muslim stories from France. Mm -hmm. I don't have that specific category is not filled in as an example. Um, I don't know those books. And so they might not be there or I just haven't Mm -hmm. found them. Um, So there are like little pockets, but I think holistically, I feel pretty good yeah. <laughs> about where we're at. And it's, you know, it's a living thing. It's always growing. It's always changing. Yeah. Um, I'm still, a, I still take books away. I like look through them or I get them in the mail and then I get my hands on them and say, oh no, this is not quality mm-hmm. <laughs> or this isn't, yeah. I don't really think this should be on there or whatever. Um, so that happens too. So it is a living growing thing. And I think that's part of the cool part. Yeah. It. With this having been a project that you had in mind for a long time what and and your Mm -hmm. husband found something that worked but what are some of the 
things that you still are hoping to add at some point? Oh, yeah. So we've been slowly working on a film list. Nice. Um, which is kind of, you know, my husband is a really big film nerd and he'll say it like he's a film <laughs> nerd. And so he, he kind of took the reins on that on the side and was like, hey, do you think I could start like compiling a list of documentaries and films? And I was like, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. already put together a pretty, pretty good list already. Um, the other part, tricky part or time consuming, I should say, is we want to be able to link all of those um, films or documentaries to mm-hmm. books. So like you pulled up a film about Martin Luther King Jr. as an example, Selma, that's a film, you know, like high schoolers could watch that. You would pull up that film on the site and ideally you would be able to look and find like five books that could mm-hmm. correspond to that movie. Um, so that's kind of what we're working on right now. I've also been working on some bundles. I don't know if that's the name I'm going to stick with, but that's what they're being called right now. So kind of just like grab and go packs for people who are like, Hey, I really want to start. I don't know where Mm -hmm. to start. What are all, what are the top 10 books I should read for grade? Well, I'll say form two to grade two through four um, from the 1800s. And then I, that would be amazing. that, That stack exists and people could just, Find yeah. those books, those top top ten, um, because I know a lot of people are like, "Where do I right. start? What like what books mm-hmm. do I start with? How do I add more diversity to what I'm already yeah. doing?" Which is it's actually really pretty easy, but it's finding mm-hmm. the books where right? it's like, well, "Where do I? What do I actually start reading? What do I supplement mm-hmm. with?" Um, so hopefully, kind of making that process easier too is a goal. And um, yeah, and then there's a couple other little things, but I'll just say yeah. that. For that. <laughs> No, now. those two are really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you recommend people start adding more diverse books to their lives? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um well, I have on the um I think it is on the website, but I know it's on my Instagram. Um I just called the 135 method cuz it makes sense to me, but is um if you just pick one subject, this is what I always tell people, if you pick one subject to start with, like say there are certain subjects that's much easier to add in, you know, diverse books. So say let's just say Historical fiction, Mm -hmm. that's a really easy one, right? So you pick historical fiction, so you pick one subject, and assuming you have three terms for your school year, if you sub in one book for each um, term of historical fiction, that's a more diverse title, that would be three books for the year. But if you did that for five subjects, say you picked poetry, Mm -hmm. geography, historical fiction, biography, and I don't know. You can do um, science. There's there's some really, like really good scientists. Science, yeah. sure, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah there's I don't know how you do math. Science. That yeah. seems hard. Science is definitely a little bit of a gap, for, I, I feel. Um, yeah, pick science. I if felt, you did that, if you I felt one madly book, in love with terms. George Washington yeah. Carver as a kid. So I'm like, pick the science yeah. field. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there are, there are more of those books now, too, for sure. Uh, there's so many good, so many good ones now. Um, like Latimer, there's mm-hmm. books about Latimer who worked with Thomas Edison, and those books did not exist when yeah. I, you know, we were growing up. So, um, Lewis Latimer. Okay. So if you did that for five subjects, you would be, you would add 15 diverse books a yeah. year, which is pretty awesome. And it's pretty mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's you don't even have Doable. to start with that many. You could just do two subjects and add six books mm-hmm. a year. And I think by the end, people would be like, oh, yeah, this is really doable and pretty easily easy to manage. And I'm um, just swap out another book and add one in. Yeah. 
I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Good method. And so you're saying on Instagram, you have yeah. like slides that walk people through those yeah, ideas. Yeah, I have um, somewhere, I mean, I don't, it's not pinned, but I think under my planning highlights, okay. um, I have that is pinned on there, pinned, I don't know if that's what yeah. you call it, <laughs> but it's on there, on my highlights under planning. And it is on the website. On the Stories of Color website, there are some guides too that people can download. One of them is how to add diversity to your homeschool. Um, there's another guide that's, uh, all of this is free too, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I hope that's, that's given, but this is all free. This is just, I would love for families to have access to this. Um, there's another guide to analyzing literature for racism and bias as an example. And it's like 10 steps. It's really, they're so helpful. Um, I did not write it, but a way to just automatically scan your literature, whatever you're using for your, in your schooling, um, to just look for these 10 things. And it's been really helpful for me. And so I, it's from a, it was written by university of Arizona. So I pulled that, um, and that's on the site. So things like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, you could just look at and they are really easy to hopefully implement and um, add. Yeah. I love that. So this, oh, this question great. is just, it might be one of those questions where you get it and you're like, I could have answered it if you didn't ask me. Cause that's how I feel all the time. It's like, yeah. I could have told you this if you didn't actually ask me. Yeah. So what are a few of your kids' favorite books that they have read in okay, the last few months? Yeah, I can answer okay. that. I probably know my kids' favorite books yeah. more than I can like <laughs> my own because yeah. I don't know why that is, but that is true. Okay, my children. So my children's favorite books. Okay, they're all my older two are Harry Potter kids. It's through and through. Love Harry Potter. Family books that we've loved together. Um, let's see. Oh gosh. Well now I'm blanking. But no. Um Princess and the Goblin. The Princess and the Goblin is a real family favorite. We loved um, one of our other family favorites is um, Jackie Robinson in the Year of the Boar. Do you guys know that book? Yeah, I have not read it, it, but but I know the title. Added it to our shelves last year, so hopefully we'll do it. Yeah, it's such a good one. It's about a um, a a little girl who immigrates to the United States from China, and she, um, yeah, she is delightful and she is just learning American culture and um, just figuring out her place in the world. And then she discovers Jackie Robinson. She, well, she discovers baseball Mm -hmm. and then she discovers Jackie Robinson and then America comes alive to her and she relates to Jackie Robinson as an Mm -hmm. outsider Mm -hmm. and how his story makes her feel comforted as an immigrant. Anyway, it's, and it's a hilarious book which it's really hard to have like that series of a topic uh-huh. with, and it'd be yeah, so funny. Yeah. And it's written by an Asian author, by a Chinese author. It's a really great one. My son, my middle son just finished the Tristan Strong series. I don't know if you guys know those books, but they're really cool. They're, um, he really loved them. They're kind of a take on uh, African folk tales. And it's a boy who has superpowers, but he doesn't know that he has them. And then he's like, they like come alive and it's, it pulls all of these different African folk tales together, like John Henry and other things and African-American and African, I should say, it pulls them all together. And then he gets to like, you know, fight bad guys. It's like a perfect middle school boy book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't know, we have some others, you know, that we all love, but um, those are just a few. Yeah. That I can think of right now. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you. I'll have to. Look into the 
your son's books for my daughter. It sounds like something yeah. she would enjoy. Yeah, they're really fun. Yeah. Amanda, did you have any other questions or things you wanted to cover? I was really curious if you said you've been dreaming of the database for a long time. Does it look like what you dreamed of originally or has that morphed over time? That's a good question. Um, I think it does. I think that, I mean, I think visually um, there's some other things like I've dreamt of being able to do that. My husband is a tech guy, so um, he he probably feels the same. Like there's some other things we could really do visually aesthetically, just like pure aesthetics. This isn't necessarily practical that maybe we'll get to. Um, for now, I feel really, I do feel really happy um, and proud of where it is. And I don't, I think once you kind of get to know how to use it, like there's a little bit of a learning curve. I wish there wasn't quite as much of a learning curve mm-hmm. given the software that we use. But I think once you use it a couple of times, it's really mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I could totally do this. And I have friends who like me are not tech savvy and they text me and they're like, I'm totally using it. I got it. I figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. I can yeah. do it. Um, so that's good. So, yeah, I think in that way, but I'm sure down the road, I, I would love to make it prettier. But um, mm-hmm. I do think it's pretty, pretty for right now. <laughs> right now. I like it. It's mm-hmm. simple. It's clean. Yeah. I like the way it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. Do too. I do that. Yeah. That's all so, my husband. So he, he designed all of the site. He did a yeah. great job. <laughs> So we, we run a family-friendly show here, and you mm-hmm. have a not-family-friendly podcast that is definitely for adults. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so while staying family-friendly, could you tell us who your podcast is for in case we have anyone oh, yeah. who would like to check it out? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about Nova. Um, yeah, my pod- my podcast is called Not Only But Also, and I podcast with my with my best friend, Renee Ronica. Bahati Klug, doctor, I should say. She just got her PhD. Congratulations. So I got that doctor in there. <laughs> yes, it's a really big deal. Um, we talk about the intersection of faith and the church and culture, and we are both biracial women. And so we speak a lot about um, race, race, race in the church, um, around all of those kinds of topics. It is definitely not for children. Um, we talk about a lot of. <laughs> A lot of yes. have kids' ears around, um, you know, marriage, relationships, all those kinds of things mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, it's really us. It's really our through our eyes as biracial women of faith, um, some of our interpretations of what we're seeing. And it's really just two friends talking. I mean, you guys know it's like yep. it's two yep. friends sitting down and, and hashing stuff out together. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, we will, we'll go ahead and <laughs> yeah. um, add the link to your podcast in the show notes as well. But did, yeah. did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about or cover that maybe you touched on, but then as you've been sitting, you're like, oh, I wanted to say uh, more. No, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, I wanted to tell you guys, I, you know, Reshelving Alexandria was honestly one of my like super back in the day inspirations. I, I think that I remember I must have been like on a Facebook page somewhere and someone like shared Reshelving Alexandria. And I remember thinking, what is this? What is this amazing <laughs> name? And I went I remember like geeking out and, and, you know, so I think like to just say like, I'm fangirling too, like, you you know, what was really created, like, these are all of the pieces that get put together to create this really vibrant community that we all get to participate Mm in. And all of that, all of it builds on itself, right? It's all building towards this kind of common Mm -hmm. goal. And we're doing it through our love of books and books as windows and mirrors, like we were talking about. 
And so, yeah, I just want to thank you for your work because it definitely like helps spark um, stories of color, you know, years before I even realized that I had made that connection, but um, all of it is so important. So I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. We, we really appreciate being able to help connect people to the right books. And I really enjoyed all the, um, all the books that I've read that I never would have read for myself that I've read for the community's sake in order to be Mm -hmm. able to review them and just how many more diverse books I've been able to read and how many more experiences Mm -hmm. and windows I've looked through that I probably wouldn't have if I just stayed in reading books for personal comfort and entertainment. So absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for giving us your time. And we're going to wrap this up before your outage starts. So we don't just go to a blank screen. (laughs) But we want to thank everyone for spending your time with us. And there will be a whole bunch of links in the show notes to all the projects that Nicole has going and her Instagram. So you can see the gorgeous Victorian house that she's staying in. And it's so pretty. I love the fireplace. Is it a working fireplace? Yes, there's two of them and they both work. Yeah, wonderful. we've been, we've had them on every night. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And so there will be all the books that we talked about in the show notes and on our database in the Stories from the Ashes chapter of that database, you'll be able to find the books that we talked about today. And remember that the stories mm-hmm. are truer than true. Go drink some water and we will see you next time. <laughs>